Welcome to the Words of Belonging podcast series produced by Belong. I am your host Yoshita Shivastav. I am the literature collective associate at Belong. In this series, we speak with authors and writers and explore their writings in depth, covering themes of diversity and inclusion. Listen in to conversations that focus on how gender, sexuality, caste, ability, ethnicity, religion, and other kinds of identity-based bias show up in our myths in Indian language literature, even discussions around modern internet. Understand the role of translations and the importance of debates about contemporary feminist and LGBTQ+ movements and many more such topics. Hope these conversations help you see the world in a new light. Hello and welcome. We are in conversation with Luke Leris about his novel Rumbles in the Village which he has written along with Jean Jose. He has published short stories and several novels including Lamp Machine Magic. a story set in Jaipur during the time of construction of the Jantar Mantar he's a mathematician and has a phd in economics rumble in a village starts out as a murder mystery but the narrative soon broadens into an entertaining and insightful fictional look at life in an indian village the novel based on jean rose's observations as a young researcher in a real life village paints a compelling portrait of the darkness and light that surrounds the lives of villagers in north india Thank you so much for joining us today Luke. It's a pleasure. I would like to start this conversation with a question about why you chose to center your novel in India and especially in Palampur a small village in North India. Thank you very much. So why India because uh, I lived there for several years and I was married I just mentioned to a lady from Orissa who sadly passed away in 2013. Actually the book is in her memory. Her name was Sumita Reika, and that explains a little bit the Sumita of the main character, one of the main characters. So why India? Because when I was nine, ten, I received uh, Tintin in Tibet. And if you have read that book, that cartoon, it starts in Delhi. They land in Sardarjang. At that time, it was the international airport in Delhi, very far from the center. <laughs> then they go to the Himalaya. So I decided to go to India then. I went in India much later in 1985 sorry and uh, visited Sardarjang that was very near the Indian Statistical Institute where I was studying in Katwaria Sarai and uh, soon after I landed I went to Kulu and Manali so basically tracing back the... so while I was studying at ISI Jean Andres was also studying at ISI and he dragged me to Palampur So I visited there a couple of times and I quite liked it. It really made a strong impression on me, yeah, this village life, how it was different from what I was used to. And why Palampur specifically, why did John actually pick up Palampur? That's because it was uh, the English, the British, used to survey India, villages in India. And they had started surveying Palampur way before. And so there was a panel of data on Palampur. So in 1976, I think, the London School of Economics started a project there, and Jean updated it in 1986. He spent one year there as a farmer, and I was part of that project in the sense that I went to London and reviewed the data and everything. I also saw the way people were interviewed. It was quite interesting. So that's it, and that's why Palampur, and uh, that's why India. I went back to India many, many times, and I'm now. Uh, overseas citizen of india there is no nri now eh? it's uh, overseas citizen of india so i always feel a bit proud when they tell me welcome home when i landed there so it's just interesting so that's it 
Yeah, that is a pretty interesting background story about the novel. And I think that also leads to my next question about why you chose to write a novel about this. Because I know that Rumbles in a Village borrows insights from your actual experiences, as you said, and also observations and experiences of Jean Rizé, especially his notes, descriptive notes from his stay in Palampur while he was doing research. So like, why did you not write a nonfiction account of it or like a memoir and instead chose to foray into fiction? And did that give you some liberties that was not present in a memoir? That's why we have the first interaction of different personalities. Jean Dres is originally a Belgian. I studied with the father and I know Jean very well for many, many years. We are quite different, but Jean was very systematic in uh, keeping uh, a diary. It's a big document. And me, I was probably less systematic, but I wrote a fictional history of the village based on what I had seen and based also a little bit on what Jean had written. But at that time, I had not really read everything. But So I wrote a fictional history of the village from the beginning, seen from the point of view of the train's feature. It's maybe a main character in the story, actually. So we had to converge to something, and we decided to converge towards something that was more of a novel. And it's true that uh, it gave us more freedom or liberty with uh, the way we were dealing with the characters, eh? because we have fictionalized the characters. They are based on, on the way people are in the village very much, but sometimes we would put uh, something a bit more uh, entertaining, maybe or because it was a way to better explain what the interactions were between the cast, between the various type of people that interact in the village, because there are many interactions. Yeah, that's a great point. It does add a lot of humanity and a lot of like in- insights about the characters and the humans present in the novel. <laughs> Actually, on humor, Jean and I had uh, to converge on this too. We had to converge on many things. And, but actually, mm. we are still on speaking terms, eh? uh, very much so, actually. I talked to him yesterday, so there is no problem there. But we still had to converge. One of the things was the use of humor. You know, yeah. the life in the, in Palampur on an everyday basis can be quite difficult and yeah. dramatic also. And uh, yeah. sometimes Jean felt that I was using a bit too much humor for things that were really dramatic. Mm. And, but it so happened that yesterday on TV, they were showing some documentary on Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin had been accused of making, with the dictator, of making too much fun of a dramatic situation in, in Germany <laughs> at that time. And he said that the best way to exercise, I guess, a difficult situation, something that is terrible, is to try to laugh it off. Mm. And I quite agree with that because it sort of uh, helps the message going through. And it doesn't change the fact that when things are dramatic, you can feel them in the book, that they are dramatic, even though they is humor. But yeah. we had to fight, stand my grounds with Jean. No, I totally agree. I think humor especially is such an important role in this novel. And although like it's also not as heavy then, I agree with your point that it does get the message across, but it's still like not heavy enough to not attract readers like I feel like a lot of people would not pick up a book if it was like ethnographic study of the village but they would pick a humorous book but that has a lot to say as well yeah thank you (laughs) and another fact about the novel that felt extremely special was the examination of different biases and stereotypes by the characters journeys like you were talking about humor and in the beginning I found like the protagonist Anil was like very quintessential clueless but well-meaning 
overseas Indian citizen and his girlfriend Pat kind of reminded me of the eat, pray, love, exoticized idea of India. So the humorous and often dark narrative doesn't really shy away from examining these stereotypes because they all grow. How did you conceptualize these characters and how did you ensure that these characters don't come off as caricatures? I was born long ago. You were not born. <laughs> and in 85, when I joined the ISI, and I was my first trip in another continent at that time. Since then, I have uh, traveled quite much more. But I was really, it was still the hippie kind of uh, movement was still there. You know, Kovalam Beach was full of these crazy characters. They're selling their books to buy all sorts of uh, fences, I guess. People were, they, they were thinking that going to India they would sort of receive a flash and their life would be different. They were actually thinking that. And uh, when you would see people landing in Delhi, you had all these characters and people like Pat. I mean, they were around. Eh? We all knew at that time some kind of Pat who was very cute, you know, with, uh, with everything right. And some of them were actually telling me that the flash was different in the north and in the south. I really like India, actually. You know, I, I keep coming back and everything, but I never received a flash. And in fact, the six first months, it was a little bit difficult settling in the Indian Statistical Institute with the food prepared in the canteen. I was getting, I think, Chauda Sopachas rupees per month, which was not much. And with that, you know, we had to pay for everything, the rent and the food and everything. So the flash was limited by externals, by... Uh, by budget pressures, I guess. <laughs> Whereas many of these people who would come would actually come with a credit card, eh? so, or American Express. So my life was different. I approached it from the inside. I was sitting with the other students, probably taller, wider, and whiter, but I was with them. And actually, I have kept many friends from those days. But I was always shocked at the arrogance with which, and I'm still shocked today, Today, I went to Africa. I, I traveled everywhere. I can still not believe that a white guy or a white woman would come and just by the virtue of coming from a rich country, which was a random fact. They were just born there rather than in Palampur. But I mean, really, they think that they are going and, and going to help, basically. You know? When I came to India, the Belgians were telling me, you know, you are going there, but you will help them and all that. Then I, I came to the Indian Statistical Institute, was introduced to my professors from Stanford, you know, Harvard, Cornell. Okay, so you stop helping, you sit, you listen, and you sit, which is basically how I approached it. And I think this argument can be extended to city Indians, maybe now, who have lost a bit touch with their roots and come down to the village as uh, conquerors, you know, the, the new Brits, huh, in a way. They go there, they take the, we have this character, the professor who comes to Palampur, decides that if the facts do not fit his theory, it means the facts are wrong, please explore them again. And he goes back the same day to Delhi because he cannot take it basically in Palampur. See, I think we have received nice reviews for this book, actually. I was very happy with that. But one review that mentioned somewhere that we made the person smell the, the chapatis that her grandmother had uh, was preparing in the village. And I thought, this means something, right? I mean, we were, we touched it. We touched the village. And I was quite happy with that. But essentially, this arrogance of people that you see, because we are rich, we will explain to you, is just totally misplaced. It's crazy. It's just wrong, I think. 
So, voila, I don't think that there is too much caricature, especially in the 80s. People were really coming to explain to everybody what. So, no, <laughs> there was no caricature. It was not too difficult. I just had to go back. And, and if I was short of an ID, Jean also knew people who would uh, even sometimes come to Palampur, you know, explain to him what he should do, and then disappear. Yeah, I understand what you're saying now. I was also thinking about, as I said, from, I think it's not even like following this conversation before Anil leaves for Palampur, who's the protagonist, he's also excited by the prospect of the village life of India and even romanticizes the journey as one where he might end up finding a purpose for his existence. So I feel like a lot of times I've heard urban cities, urban people talk about rural life with a lot of romanticization with like tones of innocence, focusing on the slow pace of life and simpler people. So your novel kind of appends this imagination. Do you have any thoughts about this romanticization and does such depiction cause harm in reality? It's true that Anil being a... By the way, let me clear something now. Uh, Jean is always very nervous at the idea that people will think that he is Anil. So let's be clear, he's not Anil. I've never managed to interest him in the hi-fis, cameras, cars, and things of that sort, sadly. But Anil is more me, clearly, who is interested in these things. So from my point of view, it was uh, easier to take somebody who was closer to me than to add a layer of difficulty. If I would sort of take somebody who is not in the banking sector, you know, then I would have to research it too and sort of immerse myself as somebody who is drastically different. And I already had quite a bit to do by immersing myself in Palampur, see? So that's it. So Anil, let it be known to everybody, Anil is more me than Jean. Of course, it's not totally me by definition. And it's true that Anil's life is much more fast-paced than anything that happens in Palampur. Palampur goes with nature. And it doesn't mean that people are innocent or they are not so clever and all that. Anil is a superbly educated person. I mean, it takes somebody intelligent to survive in the banking sector in the city. And still he's taken for a ride by absolutely everybody in the village. Yes. And the village doesn't change that much after he leaves. He changes after he goes back. Not that he has found a purpose in life or not the type that he expected, but he changes. And the good thing about Anil also, I think, is that he is ready to absorb things. He doesn't come there. Maybe initially he comes there, I'll do my stuff. But gradually he absorbs also the surrounding and understands it better. So the fact that people are innocent and uh, simple and all that, it's not directly compatible with taking a, you know, a PhD in finance for a ride, or I mean, in finance doesn't matter, for a ride some, anywhere, actually, right? So there is something to the village. But of course, they will act differently. They will think differently. They are busy with eating. Tomorrow, they have to eat. These are, they are poor. And when you are busy wondering, am I going to eat tomorrow in my family or somebody is sick in the family? Who is Anil with his collection of cameras and fantastic apartment with great speakers in it? Who is he to basically tell them what to do? There is this scene in the book where Smita, the young Dalit teacher who comes to educate everybody actually in the village, especially the Dalits, she scolds him. Why? Because Anil has given 50 rupees, I think, to one of the Dalits, and he starts explaining what he should do with it, fix your roof, you know, things like that. And Smita, a good surname, says, who are you to say that? This guy has a miserable life every day. 
So if he blows the money on firecrackers, at least for the rest of his life, he will remember a great moment where they, everybody had fun in the community. Or he will eat like a pig so that, you know, at the end of the day, he feels completely full, which has never happened to him. There is this that maybe you want your rate of discounts, the economist would say, is different. You cannot afford to invest for the future. You will see what happens in the future. That's tomorrow you need to eat. And that will change completely your way of looking at life, I think. And that's something that Pat, for example, in the novel, The Girlfriend, she gets much quicker, much quicker than him. She's much sharper because she gets along with the teacher and they talk and she gets it. So essentially, life is slower. And uh, of course, people are innocent also in the sense that they are cheated. There's corruption everywhere. They have to find their way. But you know, this corruption can flourish also because there is no education. And in fact, that is a story that you found even in Mother India, the movie, where the son tries basically to look at the account because he suspects that there's something wrong, but he cannot read, he cannot calculate the amount, so he can do nothing. He knows it's wrong. But there is nothing he can do about it. So education remains the key. So what is innocence really? And about the pace of life, you know, from the days of Anil, where Anil basically is working on a computer that takes its time to produce a printout. Eh? These were the days where your computer was a WYSIWYG, they used to call. What you see is what you get. You were trying to frame your table. Nothing was ever working. From those days, we are now in TikTok, where it's evaluated that people who watch TikTok and others, uh, basically, attention span is nine seconds. If your attention span is nine seconds, you cannot survive in Palampur. How can you survive in Palampur where things are slow? So you tell the stories, little things happen, you get excited because there is a procession that is going to happen in a month. You talk about it. You know, that also reinforces the social network. People know each other. They know what is happening. In fact, that's the whole part of the village life that Anil has missed. It's Patu has got it because like all women, I think, she talks more easily. She communicates more easily with the others and she communicates with, with Smita. And that's how it works, basically, that she learns everything. Anil had not even bothered to go to the Dalit quarters. Although the captain, the mysterious captain who is on the train all the time tells him to do so, but he had not done it. It's Patu pushes him, see? So essentially, I think three things out of this. One, people who are miserable on a daily basis, they want to have a dream. That's why sometimes they believe something that they should not believe. Something tells them it's not true, but it's so nice to believe it for a while, you know? So there is that. And of course, in the sense they are innocent, they can be cheated, all that. And then education would make a big difference. And that's why Snita is going there to open a school. Everybody's wondering what the hell she's doing there, you know. But actually, she opens a school. And that's probably what is needed because people will be less cheated. And essentially, maybe we have, again, something to learn from having a pace of life that exceeds the nine seconds of TikTok, I think. And corruption is so bad. Actually, you have that scene where there are 200 rupees that come to a big Englishman to basically arrange something in Palam. It becomes 100 with the next stage, 50, zero. And then Duki, with the mother of Smita, has to actually borrow money to be allowed to perform. And she was supposed to get 200 rupees for it. But she was happy to perform for reasons that I explained in the book. And she wanted to dream. So these are the three sort of lessons I would take on that front.
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was a great explanation. I think of all the points. And yeah, and as you're talking about Smita and the captain as well in the preface, Rizzi notes that caste inevitably runs through this novel, which is very true. It's a very it's a driving force for the narrative and a pretty major divide between communities in the village. So it is also, of course, an issue that is a major divide in the current state of the country of India. And he wanted to know how did you ensure such a sensitive portrayal of this social divide and also like being not part of this social division give you a sense of objectivity to look at it do you seriously think that if i had been a murao or a takur i could have written that <laughs> if you were no, if, if i had been a murao or a takur or something i could not have written this yeah, people absolutely. would have jumped on me to say that you know this is uh, creating caste war and all that it's better it's an outsider mm. i think It gives yeah. you a little bit of distance. Now, this being said, in Palampur, one of the problems is that sort of low caste, the Murao's, the, the peasants who are working farmers, getting richer, and they are getting richer than those who were their masters, the, the Takurs. In fact, Jean was there, we have that story in the book, but Jean was there when the first tractor came to Palampur in 1983, I think, and it was a Murao who had bought the tractor. Not the greatest tractor on earth, But the first tractor to ever come to Palampur, and it was a Murao. And that created a massive questioning <laughs> on the part of, the, of those who did not have the tractor, and, but felt they were superior. So we, it's a fact that the, the Muraos actually get doing better now, but the Dalits are still not doing very well. They are not doing very well. So, so voilà, that's the story. That's how it is. And on that front also, that was a discussion we had with Jean. Because I considered, actually, I think we are both right, the Palampur has gone richer. When I was there, there was one bulb, electric bulb, for the whole village, one. And it was at the station. And now, when you go, there are TV sets everywhere. Okay, not great TV sets, mind you, but small TV sets and tractors, fancy tractors everywhere. And I saw a young girl starting her motorcycle. So I thought this is great. This is not something I would have seen in 1985 or 86. So things have improved in Palampur. What Jean says, and I think he's right also, is that the gap between the Palampur people and the Delhi people, for example, has grown immensely. So there are two effects. On the one hand, I think it's true that Palampur is doing better. But on the other hand, the gap has increased. You see? Absolutely. Yeah, that does make sense. Of course, it's also backed by a lot of like economists and a lot of data that comes out about the divide between rural and urban, although, of course, development is going on there as well. Yes. But uh, the divide is pretty huge. But you see, the uh, Murao's, for example, were so happy that I took a picture of the Murao father, that I took a picture of his daughters holding books. They were going to school and they were holding the books like that. So I was making the pictures. But on the other hand, many in the school, because there's a school and they are giving food there. So at least the kids are motivated. Huh? I mean, a rice and an egg. And, and they were motivated, but still they could not free. So that's a sad affair. They, they go to school, they eat a little bit, but they come up really, really. So what do you do? Yeah. That's why I make Anil give a bit of money to subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I was also curious to know, with the point of view of caste, I think you touched upon it a little bit in the beginning, but why you chose to, you know, narrate this story through Anil's point of view, 
who represents a much more, I think, privileged point of view in this novel. And also, if you want to talk a little bit more about the parts that how you wrote in cast and like the sensitive portrayal of it in the novel. I mentioned that, that I did not want to be bothered with immersing myself in a new, a totally new character. In fact, I tried to write a story one day from the point of view of a woman, and uh, I was told that w- women are not like that. So much for, <laughs> so much for me. But, uh, so since then, I decided that at least one of the characters I should be at home with, because then <laughs> he interacts with others. From his point of view, it's written first person. So he interacts with the other characters from his point of view. With that, I feel comfortable. So that was mainly, it was uncomfortable. You understand that it was uncomfortable for me to write about Parampur because, of course, I know the village. I find my way there. I know some people will probably remember me nicely. I will certainly remember them. But it was still, I was not fully comfortable with that notion, see? Then often I had to go back to Jean, and Jean and I had to discuss, you know, is this correct? No, you cannot say that. Sometimes I remember things that Jean had forgotten, you know, or so. But basically, that was hard work. If I write about a Walloon young man, you know, I will be not off the mark too often. But if I write about a farmer or, or his wife in Palampur, it's hard. So really, the notion was to be to remove one of the complications. But also, it allowed me to take that external look, as I said, for castes in particular. It had to be that way, because you cannot write it if you are part of the system. I just don't think so. And we clearly take the side of the Dalit in the book. I think that's quite obvious. So... Even there too, you know, I was not completely at ease. What is a Dalit? I know what is a Dalit. I have met some, you know, that's always what people say. But, you know, I have to be, I had to be very careful with what I was writing. I had uh, discussions with many, many people on the various characters and including a lady, for example, with whom at the beginning it was a little bit uh, difficult because we saw the world really from the Dalit's point of view and, and I had to took me a while to convince her that, you know, can also look at elsewhere. And it, I'm not harming you by doing that. I'm just telling you that I see it. For example, Babu. Babu, he comes out as clumsy. You know, he is the one who falls here, falls there. Sometimes miracles happen. He always runs into problems. There is the story of the goat where he just has no idea how to handle it and all that. So we are making fun of him in a sense, but nicely. Because he actually saves the village, he, he gets the pictures, we should not say too much, but he gets them out, not so nicely, but he gets them out, he gets married, so everything is doing okay. But by doing so, you don't come out with the impression that I'm making fun of him. A little bit, but not nasty. It's not that we are sort of putting him down, we're actually putting him up, even though there are some interesting sides to his character. And also, he makes fun of Anil all the time, eh? He, I mean, he, he just takes Anil for a ride on every, at every point of the story. And at the end, it's still Anil who goes back changed. So voila, that's the main thing, I think. Yeah. And absolutely, I think that you have portrayed one in every character very sensitively. And all the issues also pretty sensitively and not at all making fun of them. The I humor is, yeah. Yeah. As a reader, I also don't think so. As the humor is, is really an important part of it, but not at all anything that's demeaning. The last question before the recommendation section, what's next and what's next especially? What do you think where the characters will be? 
and also we've talked a little about the difference between rural and urban india as it's going right now what do you envision the future for that so what's next what's next for anil we know because at the end he explains eh? what's next for for pat we also know and they are changed so basically i think over the years after having left india they sort of worked on it and it changed them a little bit i think which is not too bad for palampur we progress is there i told you there was this clear progress people can watch tv if that's a progress i mean they they have tractors so they can you know generate a bit more money but the gap with the city remains immense in spite of the train that goes to chandauzi every day eh? so there is quite a lot that remains to be done there for them and for the dalit in particular i think for the book that's a good question we jean and i have tried to prepare a bible so maybe somebody will be interested in a film or in a tv series we hope that someone will take it up we even thought of characters to offer stars to act in the movie you see so i had come with i'm a big fan of smita patil i've always been a big big fan of smita patil actually from the days of isi i just couldn't believe it when i saw her the first time but she is no more <laughs> she would have been great in the movie as the smita of the the school but of of our school in the in the book but i was thinking of others maybe this latika in slumdog millionaire there are two actresses that have there was freida pinto but i was also thinking of rubina ali because she acts latika small i think that's the way it is maybe she comes with the right background to actually be a great smita in a tv series so i don't know if that will happen the book is currently being translated into hindi i have not checked the progress on that i have to come back to india but for a while it was not a road because of covid even though i'm super vaccinated so maybe i have to come and sort of push a little bit with jean will will go to the, and we hope that people will read and appreciate in hindi also what we did but i think the movie a movie or a tv series would be maybe fun and also would be one way of bringing the village life to the city people and that would be good for everybody uh, people would learn more about this and maybe that's the, the that should be what happens we hope that somebody will pick it up it's not easy eh it's a very close market there it seems so i don't know how we approach the you tell me <laughs> i feel like yeah it would be great as a tv series i totally agree that a lot of city folks should see and read this we looking forward to the hindi translation as well <laughs> thank you so much for answering that question i'm at my last question we asked this to every author but do you have any recommendations for our listeners of social satires or novels that have portrayed rural india in a sensitive or intersectional light there are very few that happen in a village like this yeah. uh, not there are but not many that they take the point of view of the dalit i don't think it's too many but one thing certainly is go back to premchand because he has that way of i read premchand i have to say i i did not really know him i had heard about him when i was at isi but i did not read him i had not reading premchand touches a, a nerve he's right what he describes is correct It's his point of view is not the same as ours but basically i think he's very good in fact i'm a bit jealous <laughs> otherwise from the point of view of movies you have more and uh, i mentioned mother india there is quite a bit of what we described that is taking place there 
and always my crush on uh, Smita Patil, but in Mirsh Masala, you also have the village that is being oppressed by everybody, yeah? by all the by the administration and by the by the army. So going back to the old movies, I have a feeling the the old movies of those days, they were closer to the village life than now. That's my feeling. So maybe it's time for any TV producer or film producer to remember that and uh, decide to, to do something about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think right now it's <laughs> it's a very different portrayal of rural India in pop culture. Like it's either the Vasipur kind of really brutal, really corruption and brutality and just violence, or kind of really cute love stories. Yes, <laughs> like, the Valley of Flowers or the Himalaya with many girlfriends. We talk about yeah. that in the book also, but that's part <laughs> of the dream, no? Yeah. They, their life is terrible, but then they go to the movie hall and suddenly, you know, things are nice. You have so many, mm. so many friends and all everybody dances. So that helps. Huh? <laughs> Do you have any concluding remarks? I said most of the things. I, I hope our external point of view will uh, make people like the book and also make maybe city Indians look at their villages nicely and maybe differently from what they do. Mm. We, I, Jean is the insider more than me eh, because he really worked as a farmer there every day, uh, waking up and going with his blocks. But modestly, I, I was out of, I was not that, I was the outsider, but it gives me a point of view that is a bit different. And if I, if it can be helpful and to the Dalit community in particular, I would be delighted. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about it. Thank you for agreeing to talk about it.